Good morning, church. My name's Naomi, and I'll be reading the Bible for us this morning. Today's Bible reading is Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you, especially on this 150th anniversary of St. Stephen's Willoughby. Uh, wasn't it great hearing all those reflections? I love seeing Thea on the couch there, uh, the next generation of St. Stephen's. Well, Pippi's already asked us this morning, do you ever have trouble falling asleep? But I, I want to ask you seriously this morning, uh, how is your sleep at the moment? How is your sleep? And I'm, I want to talk about your restless nights. I'm not talking about those nights, though, where uh, you're restless because of the heat or because you're restless because of the person snoring next to you or because of your own snoring. I want to talk about those restless nights because of stress, because of anxiety, because of worry, because of anger, because of something on the inside of you that just won't let you sleep. Have you ever had those nights? I hate them, where you go to bed, but you just cannot sleep. You know, some of us, some of you are able to just fall asleep at the same time as your head hits the pillow. I envy you if that's you. But all of us are able, uh, all of us are able to recall a night that we have been kept up where we can't sleep. I talk about this because this is how David describes such a level actually of inner peace inside himself. Despite numerous threats to his peace, he can have a look at verse 8, the last line in this psalm. It'll come up on the screen for you. It says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. In the Hebrew there, that word both is there. It is like it is simultaneous for him. As soon as his head hits the pillow, he sleeps. But notice this isn't, this isn't just because he's somebody disposed to those kind of sleep habits. This is in the middle of distress, have a look at the top of the psalm in verse 1, the, the very first beginning of the psalm, it says this, answer me when I call to you, give me relief from my distress. In other words, David is in distress. So how does he experience this transformation, this change from distress to peaceful sleep? How does he do that? You know, this psalm is his personal psalm in many ways, but it has become a part of the songbook for the church, a part of the psalms uh, that we read and sing together, not just because sleepless nights are common to us all, 
but because the offer of peace is available to us all. The offer of a peaceful night's sleep, even in distress. Would you like that? I would like that. And so there's a number of questions I want to ask about this psalm this morning. The first is, well, what threatens our peace? What threatens our peace? The second is going to be, how do we find peace? The third, why can we give peace? But firstly, what threatens our peace? I was talking to my wife about peace this week, and it raised for us a memory of one of our favorite British comedies, a, a comedy called Black Books. If you haven't seen it, you can actually watch the first episode on YouTube after this because it's got exactly the scene I'm talking about. Um, but a man runs into a bookshop, and actually the bookshop is the whole setting for the TV series, and he asks for the little book of calm, the little book of calm, the little book of calm, because he needs a little bit of calm in his life. And he finds it, he pays for it for £2.50 or something. He opens it up, he's rapidly rummaging through it and until he finds a quote. And the quote says, you are a lily floating on an amber stream and waves of peace you know, wash over him and he finds a little bit of calm. It's hilarious. But it's also brilliant, I think, for a number of reasons, but partly because it, it points out that in our day and age, the quest for peace, the search for peace, the desire for peace is so prevalent. You know, we might think in a day and age with more technology and ability to connect with one another more and more, we might be able to find peace. But the thing is, actually, is that peace, the absence of peace is on the rise, isn't it? I was reading in the papers just the last couple of weeks that uh, the Royal Children's Hospital has witnessed a surge in admissions of children, not with COVID-19, although, you know, that's been a part of the story, but maybe with another kind of COVID-19 patient, and that is with children with mental health difficulties. They, they wrote the sort of conditions we're seeing are anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicidal behaviours, eating disorders. We've also seen an increase with young people presenting with aggression, both verbal and physical. Now, I know, you know, these conditions are serious things and you need to go and see a doctor if you are suffering from them. They can help. And, and the Bible isn't here to explicitly, its chief concern is not how we deal with anxiety and depression and so on. However, this passage today enters into this realm, our peace. And to limit the scripture scope here would be to be underrepresenting the good news of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us and how it affects our lives today. See, peace in the modern world has come to just mean kind of this calmness, this absence of conflict. Peace in the Bible offers so much more to us. It offers us real help in a real world. The word is uh, from the Hebrew word shalom. The word for peace in English comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which is actually the presence of something in the absence of conflict. And it's kind of like, life in all its, com its complexities, complete and whole. That's what is on offer to us when the Bible talks about peace, a wholeness. It's actually so far reaching, even within the human heart, that it's elusive when you try and describe peace itself. But we all know when we don't have peace, don't we? We know what those sleepless nights are like. David's psalm actually gives us insight into what threatens our peace most of all the first thing we see in verse 2 as he writes is this how long will you people he says turn my glory into shame that's true isn't it that the thing that can really threaten our peace you know you might get upset with a broken leg you might get upset when you lose some money you might get upset when you don't get the job that you want but the thing that really 
threatens our peace can be people and life in the context of people. That's when our peace can really be shaken. And David says there's actually, excuse me, a personal attack on his self in this. Verse 2, he says, How long will you people turn my glory into shame? He's talking there about a personal attack on his reputation. There's an experience he's going through in life that's humiliating, shameful for him, that that threatens his self-worth. And it could be direct, it could be indirect, we're not quite sure. From the context of Psalm 3, which obviously Psalm 4 follows on from, it could be as a result of Absalom, his son's threat to his throne. David could be in an environment where he is being directly, his reputation is being directly attacked. It could also be a little bit more indirect, where you know the people are listening to the rumors around them, or they are actually seeking false gods, like verse 2 says. And that would reflect poorly on his kingship as God's king. It could even be a little bit more subtle and internal than that, his circumstance. Uh, There's indications in the text that there are some wealthy people, some important people, who are succeeding when he is not. And so it could be that he's feeling ashamed by his comparison with others. We don't really know his circumstances, but... We know the experiences, don't we, ourselves? Whether it is criticism or conflict or cruelty, whether it's experiencing the character flaw of another or of yourself, whether it's experiencing persecution as a Christian or even that struggle with comparison, these things threaten our peace. And the psalmist, in fact, God himself is inviting us this morning to insert our own distress here and find some relief through this psalm and what it has to say to us. In a spirit of full disclosure, one of the things that's kept me up, I would say for the past 10 years, for a lot of my 20s and early 30s, is comparing myself with others. I, as I think back on it, at least in my own mind, there's a point in my life where I feel like I was this close to becoming a part of a rock band that has recently played at Madison Square Gardens, a huge venue in New York. And often I lie in bed at awake at night and I'm frustrated and I compare my current situation with that and I think about the fame and the wealth and the everything that would come with that kind of life and lifestyle and I realize in that moment I'm looking for my peace my completeness my sense of worth in that and if you know anything about a rock star life right of course there is no peace to be found in it is there David would call that seeking a false God and he wants us to see it for what it is so that we might find peace well how do you find peace then especially when you've got these things at night keeping you up how do you find peace well I love how David takes us right into the the moment where our threats meet us and that is when we're on our bed at night have a look at verses four and five David writes tremble and do not sin when you are on your bed search your hearts and be silent The first word there, tremble, uh, and there's probably a footnote in your Bible about it, actually just, it means to quake. And it could be quaking with fear. It could be quaking with anger. The possibility is there for either or. And I think this is interesting because it's what psychologists tell us, right? What happens when we're faced with a fright, with a distress. We either flight because of fear or we fight because of anger. Here's how this 
plays out, I think. I don't know about you, but it's how it plays out for me. You're on your bed at night. You're trying to get to sleep. Maybe you're by yourself. And you start thinking about what happened in your day. You might be with a partner, with your spouse, and you might start talking with them. Or you might be online with a friend, or you might be talking to a friend, or something like that. And if there's something you're angry about in your life, then maybe you start meditating on the injustice. Maybe you start daydreaming about what you would like to say or do to the person tomorrow. Or maybe you're thinking about what you would like to happen to them. Maybe you're, you start talking, just like they've spoken to you perhaps. You know, maybe you're gossiping. Maybe you start saying mean and nasty things yourself. That could be the anger side of it. The other side of it is the fear side of it. Maybe you're lying in bed and there's been something that's made you afraid and you start fretting over that circumstance. How are you going to face that person tomorrow? How are you going to, how are you going to talk to them? And you start worrying, how's this situation going to play out? And you can't stop yourself from worrying. And it keeps you up. These are real times at the end of our day as we're decompressing. An important thing to notice here at this point, though, is that the emotions themselves are not wrong. There's nothing bad in the emotions themselves. In fact, you know, David says here, doesn't he? He says, tremble, and I've underlined it for you, and do not sin. Tremble and do not sin. Because there's a line that we can cross. You can have these emotions of fear and anger and not sin. And David, I think, tells us how we don't cross that line. He says here, search your hearts and be silent. He's saying, you know, before you think about naming, before you think about shaming and blaming somebody else, before you think about revenge, uh, before you think about running away even, he says, search your own heart. Why does this matter to you so much? What's going on for you? He says, search your heart for a moment and think, what have you contributed to this situation? Search your heart for a moment and keep your mouth shut, potentially. He says this because the temptation, I think, is to take the problem into our own hands. That's the temptation we have, isn't it? To try and fix it ourselves. And the irony is often is that we try and find peace by making war, don't we, when we do it ourselves. But the psalmist actually points us in another direction. He says that fear and anger, those emotions, can actually lead us in a new direction. If it's fear, it can make you think, actually, maybe I'm not as in control of this circumstance and myself as I thought I was. And maybe I need someone who can help me. If it's anger, maybe that helps you to realize, actually, there is broken stuff in this world that needs a good and better solution than anything that we've currently got to poke at. In other words, we need to hand it over to somebody else. This is actually what David is doing in this whole psalm. His psalm is a model for us on what we should do at our beds at night. Have a look at verse 1, right from the top here. He says to God, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. That term, righteous God, he's not just rattling off his prayers. He is meditating on a specific characteristic of who God is that changes the way he responds in distress. He knows something about God that can give him peace, even when he is personally attacked. And that is that God is his righteous God. What does that mean? It means that God sees and God knows any injustice we experience. And God will one day put wrongs to right. That's what it means for him to be our righteous God. He will vindicate you. You can find relief in a righteous 
God. In fact, God told his people long before David, he said to his people, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And so the Apostle Paul picks it up for us in Romans 12. He says, my friends, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, it is mine to repay, says the Lord. We can find relief in a righteous God, in a God who vindicates us. Uh, But here's the thing. If God is righteous, if he will take revenge, if he will repay properly and fittingly every wrongdoing with right, then on the one hand, that's a comfort for us, isn't it? Because it means that if you've been wronged, God will right things. But on the other hand, it means that if we've ever been caught up in doing the wrong, then God rightfully should repay us for our wrongs, shouldn't he? And so we're kind of caught. How can God then offer us this peace? How can we experience the peace that David himself experiences? How can we be righteous before a righteous God? David certainly has this certainty about him, doesn't he? Have a look at verse 3. Actually, I don't have it on the slides for you, but I'm going to read it out for you. You might have your Bible in front of you. David writes this in in verse 3. He says, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful one for himself. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. You know, we're reading through the psalm. We're thinking, yes, it's about me. I go through distress. But then there's this talk about this faithful servant that God always hears the prayers of. And you have to think, well, if God always hears your prayers, then you've got to be that faithful servant. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not, are we? David knows that though in the depths of his being, he does belong to God. This is part of the mystery of the Old Testament. Why why does God choose to shine his face upon a certain king, a certain person? Why are certain people, the the, uh, specificity and the uh, single-person naturedness of this verse is very interesting, isn't it? It speaks of David, of course, to Israel to some extent. But who else does it belong to? Who is God's faithful servant? It can't be us. Of course, Jesus is described as the faithful servant, isn't he? You know, when he comes and when he's baptized, we remember that God calls him his faithful servant. Here is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then when Jesus is riding on the donkey towards Jerusalem, even the people notice this is God's true and better King David. This is his faithful servant. Jesus is the faithful servant. But you'll also remember his cry upon the cross. You know, Jesus had lived this perfect life. He was the righteous one. And so God should always hear his prayers. But on the cross, Jesus doesn't say, the Lord always hears me when I call to him. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why does that happen in that moment? Why is he not set apart but abandoned? Why is he not chosen but forgotten? Why is he not heard but forgotten? Well, the Apostle Paul, the New Testament writers who who understand Jesus for what he is, they tell us Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 6. Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, God took his vengeance on our sin, all the wrongs we've ever done. God took his vengeance He repaid it in full on the person of Jesus on the cross so that you and I could be 
vindicated. You and I could be claimed to be righteous. You and I could truly be righteous. You and I could be his faithful servant. Jesus took out his vengeance on Jesus so that he could offer us what he experienced with the Father. This this God who always hears your prayers. This God whom you belong to. And, And when you belong to God the Father like Jesus did, when you belong to God the Father like the Christian can, when you belong to God the Father like somebody who's been made righteous, who is right with God, then it doesn't matter what comes up against you, whether you're criticized, whether you're in conflict, whether you're, you experience cruelty, whether you're experiencing somebody's character flaw, whether you are persecuted for being a Christian or struggle with comparison, when you belong with God like his own son, then you can say what the psalmist said at the end of his psalm. I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell secure. I'm safe in you. How are you sleeping at the moment? Are you restless? Maybe you need to find the peace that is offered in Jesus with God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the peace with God that we have through the offering of your life for ours. Help us know how much we belong to God because of it and to find peace with him through you. In your name we pray. Amen.